Welcome to the Equestrian Experience, a show where we talk about what happens behind the rosettes and what we've tried so you don't have to. In a world first, we and our guests openly share what we know from our extensive equestrian experience. This includes our exclusive access to global experts such as high-performance national vets, coaches, farriers, and even brands. So if you're new here, consider subscribing. We're your hosts, Bex Mason and Amanda Ross, and we're excited to be back into podcast creation after a few busy months of competitions and international travel. We're excited to update you on what we've been up to. So I've been watching you, and you've been off to the World Championships in Herning. That looked pretty awesome. As I'm a show jumper, I want to know all about your show jumping mm-hmm. side of things because I saw that you walked a course and the jumps <laughs> looked huge. Um, tell me more about that. That was, things. personally, that was my most, like, my most favourite um, moment of being in Herning was getting to walk the course on the main arena. So, obviously, my, my recent change to show jumping and it was the first opportunity that I have had to sit down in a warm-up and watch international riders warming up because I've always been watching eventing. So, I parked myself and I watched them schooling and had a look at all the bits that they were wearing. I must say, I did yell out a little loudly to a non-horsey Australian team member. They said, are you coming for a coffee? I said, yeah, I'm just going to be over here watching their bits. I'm just looking at their bits. And she just looked at me and said, I really hope that doesn't mean what it sounds like it means. I'm like, their bits on their bridles. But, yeah, anyway, so that was fun. Um, But watching their schooling exercises, how many warm-up jumps they did, um, the speed they went at, like they just really tipped around and were fairly steady in the warm-ups, which I thought was interesting because then one thing I did notice is that live is so much faster than it is on TV and walking the courses um, seriously meaty. First fence was really big. Uh, First class was a table C, so obviously it's at speed. And, it was really funny. I walked the course and our um, show jumping chef to keep said, okay, what distance did you get to the first? And I've gone eight. And he goes, seven. I went, oh. He goes, what did you get between two and three? And I'm like, six. And he's like, five. And I'm like, oh. He's like, yeah, you got to go faster. <laughs> oh. um, yeah. 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 And they honestly, yeah. those riders, those top riders. You've got to land. you got to move. Yeah, you gotta... Their eye is like a Formula One driver. They just keep coming, don't they? They see it from a mile out. Yeah. They don't miss a beat. They just keep coming. Um, so the other thing too is that in Australia we just don't have the crowd and the flashlights and the yelling, the Swedes and the Danish were out there with flags. It was like a soccer match. It was so loud and these horses they're just incredible. Like to me, they just come into these stadiums and they're put in a completely man-made environment. They just get in there and they do their job. And yeah, that blew me away as well. So um, yeah. yeah, it was, it was really, really incredible. And it's amazing coming from you as like a world-class athlete yourself, you're saying sitting there at collecting mm. ring, watching other world-class athletes and how much you're mm. learning and I mean, I, I do the same, like I'll sit and watch and I'll be like a bit, I, I just, you just can't stop learning from mm. how these top guys do yeah. it. It is absolutely insane to how they are trained. And you're saying about the horses, and I think the the horses, they love their job so much, don't they? And they've had, and it's obviously not just about that one time in the ring, they, they've they had years and years of experience, of mm. training, of everything else to prepare them for those mm, moments. Mm. And when it all comes together like that, it's just mm. insane to watch. And I think we forget, because when you're watching it, you think, I don't know, you forget how much has gone into it and you forget all these outside, um, not what I'm trying to say, all these outside Mm. influences that that could affect the horses, like you say, the flashing lights and the loud Mm. noises. 
and um and they're just so switched on and just so focused mm. and you see the horses just love it as much as the riders and as much as the crowds and as much as the athletes you know it's it's those environments are just yeah so and I, I think too like watching the jumpers that they go from show to show to show so they're really good guys they live it they breathe it they're you know, every weekend they're traveling, you know, across the globe to all these shows. And so, mm. you know, these horses are used to being transported. They're used to strange stables. They're used to just get up and go. And that takes years to get a horse to be conditioned like that so that it can compete at the highest level and have its environment changed on a constant basis and still compete at, you know, the peak level. Um, so I found that really fascinating. It really showed me what, mm. you know, that, and I know you've got to keep remembering that is the top echelon. That's the cream of, of the crop. Um, yeah. so, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then something to definitely aspire to though. Isn't well, it? I think it's, um, just to know that that extra level is there and, and speaking to our Australian jumpers, they'd been spending some time in Europe, summer base there. And then, um, a couple of them had just gone over there for the last sort of three to six months and and they just said, you you just have to, we can't get that experience in Australia. There just there isn't the level of competition. Um, it really did raise the bar as to all of those horses are spectacular jumpers. They all have incredible techniques. They all want to clear the fence by a lot. And so to come back here, I'm like, oh, okay, like we need to actually see better horses in order to raise our standard of what we look for as well. Um, so that we can create yeah. better horses. So I think mm. to improve the standard, you need the exposure to what everybody else is doing so that then you can bring it back home. And the more people are exposed, the bigger the pool is and, you know, hopefully you get a, um, a snowball effect mm. and, you know, it, over time you improve your, your standard. Mm. So um, that's, that was my bit of wisdom mm. from my show jumping. I think, even, well, I think even for our younger listeners out there, younger equestrians, I mean, that is something, you know, we can go a week. It's always good to push yourself that little bit further and go and watch the, the mm, next level. Mm. I mean, for myself as well, I can go to my local shows and I can run around and win 120s all day mm. long but or win 130s or whatever. But actually, until you put yourself into that environment where there's a better class mm. of rider, a better class of horse, you can't really push yourself to the next level. You can't mm. prepare yourself. Mm. And I think it is really, it, really important to keep striving yeah, for look that, at- isn't it? It's something that I actually I often teach my mm. my young younger riders. I'll say watch yes. watch videos, like especially the pony riders. I'll say watch videos of the best pony riders in the country. Mm. See how they ride. Mm. See what how they do it. You know, and um, ponies are very different from horses, and it's the same with the horses. You know, they all come in mm. different shapes and sizes, but watch the top ones. Yeah, watch how they do it. And you, no, you well, like when I was 19, I got the opportunity to go to the UK and I spent 18 months there and took a horse over with me because back then it wasn't that expensive to do it. And he wasn't anything special at all. But I got to work in a friend's, a friend of a friend's yard and work for another professional rider and then work for a lady who had everything from hunters to cobs to show ponies to all sorts of stuff. And, um, and also, um, went yeah. behind the scenes at badminton and helped run the caravan park. And what I did get to see was what the top level looks like and how to, how a well-run show runs and how to set a yard fair with mm. well clean tack and, and how to manage it and what a good standard looks like. And I brought all that home with me. So I think when I was 19, I had an idea of what to expect when I went over there and what top level management is like. And I really think that that set me up for the rest of my life, to be fair. Yeah, no, 100%. Mm. And you, yeah, you get that from being around the best and learning from the best. Mm. And then, 
you end up achieving things like you have, my dear. Oh, well. Um, I just can't stop staring at glasses. Oh, They're so cool. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Tell me about your glasses. <laughs> when, when, since when did you wear glasses? I haven't seen you for that well, long. Have you suddenly got blind? Yes, yes. No, I've entered a new category. I've had a, I've had a new category attack, and it's called forty-eight, and um, starting to get fuzzy reading eyes and so I um I did have another pair they're actually over there give me two seconds I'll get them for you um so I got one pair and suddenly realized that I could see so much better and then wanted to get a second pair and um you know whenever your um, private health insurance runs over you get to have um you get money towards optical so I've got these ones and then uh these are the other ones but they're both from the same brand so, oh, these are better. They match my T-shirt. Oh, oh Here we go. They yeah. Do, yeah, they match your T-shirt. Look, you know, you're all matchy-match now. Now you're the fashion icon so, that I see in a So I don't. So luckily, right I know, like, going cross-country, I never had to wear glasses for riding, but I used to wear, I don't know, well, you probably don't have to, show drinking, but sometimes you get eye stream. Yeah, you get eye stream when you do. go a bit fast. Um, and yeah. um, then I had another mm. friend who wears glasses all the time when she rides, and she's like, when it rains... And I can't see. She goes, this is a nightmare because I can't do this while I'm riding. So yeah. anyway, so I'm lucky that these are just for my. No, you don't get windscreen wipers. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, so so this is my getting older category attack of um, reading glasses. Hard, Thank you. Hardly getting older. They're really, <laughs> they're really, really funky, really funky. Your fashion I think you can see else. I, I've been seeing you. I, I'm always so jealous because you always, like, when I would look at your Facebook and your Instagram and stuff, you're, when you're out at the races because you are an ambassador for, the, for is it Victoria Racing Victoria Club? Victoria Racing Club. Yes, the VRC. Yes. yes. Yeah. So that's and really interesting. beautiful I, outfits. You always oh my look God. so gorgeous. Oh, thank you, hun. Um, well, look, I'm oh. just working for the Victoria Racing Club as an ambassador for the welfare of racehorses after they finish racing so that's a really big thing that they have in uh for rv racing victoria um and obviously well my olympic horse otto way back in the day was a thoroughbred and then zazi who was you know um shortlisted for tokyo also a thoroughbred so i don't know about you but i always grew up did you grow up riding thoroughbreds because they were like easily accessible you might not have as eventers Um, in australia yeah everyone had one Yes, I know, and we've already done a couple of podcasts on it, and I find it really interesting mm. because they are huge in Australia. In fact, my amazing yeah. girl that worked for me, Georgie, she's now gone to Australia. Mm. She's working for oh. Tim Boland. Oh, right, and, um, and he's got a big pre-training business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. and we did the podcast, but so I'm learning all the time on that front about oh. the pre- well, the racing. But, I mean, over here, we kind of – I set when I set up on my own, I did get a couple mm. of thoroughbreds off the track, because mm-hmm. they were inexpensive and mm-hmm. they had seen more and they were ones that you could kind of turn around, make into riding club horses and sell for a bit mm-hmm. more money. And that's how I kind of got myself going. And oh, so I, I see. sold a couple of those and then I bought something a bit nicer and then kind of made yep. my way up the horse horses like that, I suppose. Yep. So that's yep. about the only experience I've had in them. But um, no, I've had some really, really sweet ones. Yeah, they're really interesting. Like, um, so my, my role is really to, um, to spread the word about the, um, the careers that racehorses have after their racing. And as we know, like they might get to 
anywhere between four if they're not very good, five, six, seven. And then once they're finished racing at, say, seven, they can go for another at least 10 years in a competition home. Um, And so my role includes going to the spring carnival racing. um, So that's about to happen now. And that's all the races at Flemington Racecourse. And then I do some luncheons. So we're doing a um, cup, Melbourne Cup Eve, um, uh, like a launch. Um, What do I have? I've got, hang on, Derby Day, which is the Saturday maybe. I'm going to guess and say it's like the 29th or 30th. Then Cup Eve on the maybe the 31st, which is at Government House. Then the Melbourne Cup, which is the on the 2nd. Then I've got a Oaks lunch so oaks day is a a big race day so we have an oaks lunch the next day on the wednesday then oaks is on the thursday so that's the races and then friday off and then steaks day on saturday and um you were talking about wearing frocks i hope you've got enough items for all of this oh so for the first time ever i'm actually organized and maya have you i don't know if you've heard of Maya, big department store they sponsor the races so all my frocks need to come from maya and because i usually dress like this in equestrian attire or you know, like active wear, um, the VRC organise us to have a stylist. So I shimmy my way up to Melbourne and go and visit the wonderful Maggie Smith, who is the stylist, and she says, here is your rack of Maya dresses that are suitably fashioned so you can't have any midriff showing and you can't have shoestring straps because you need to be able to go into the members, darling. And um, I go and try them all on and I need to get in early because not being a particularly tall person, they are samples. And if I don't get stuff that fits me, then I look like I'm wearing a chaff sack. So <laughs> go in there yeah, and you have to, you know, pick stuff. So Derby Day is black and white. So I have a sort of long black frock with a slit up the side and I've got actually I have a, hopefully, I think we've organised a white hat to go with it. And the, the milliner oh. that is making the hat used to go to Pony Club 10 minutes from me and we all had the same friends and she's now like a world-renowned milliner, Melissa oh Jackson. Oh, my gosh. So oh my that's gosh, a nice that's connection. How, yeah. how worlds come so, together again. It does, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. So you get to meet some some different people from all walks of life. There's lots of fashion influences and, like, I don't really – I'm hopeless. I take my bestie as my plus one. She knows all the celebs and she's like, oh, my God, that's so-and-so. And I'm like, who? She's like, oh, my God, you don't know anything. I'm like, I know nothing. You need um, to do some more reading so, up before you go. Oh, I need to yeah, read some, like, you know, trashy – not trashy magazines, but, you know, yeah. the gossip that's magazines because I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. But it's um it's interesting. They have living legends. So over here all of the um racehorses that have done really well, they retire them um at a big property over sort of towards the airport and then um all the big race days, two of these um like Melbourne Cup winners or you know big race winners. They might be 25, 30 years old. Two of them will come and all of the the public can come and give them carrots and meet them and and you know pat Aww. them and stuff. So that's oh, um, it, love that. They it's really lovely. For the day. Yeah. 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 Oh, they do. So nice that oh, they no. take such good care of them. They do. They really do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's a it's a really interesting role. And I'm I'm actually really interested in the education of off the trackers. So I'd love going forward to be able to maybe put some programs together so that people that buy an off the tracker um, have something to access so that they can understand, you know, the nature of the horse and here are some exercises to help and this is what you can expect and yeah, just stuff like oh, that to help those horses transition. Idea. That's a great idea, Amanda. Oh. That is such a good idea because I'm Ooh. sure so many people do want to help and do want to buy them off the track and to be able to have someone that they can mm. go to where they go, okay, mm. Well, mm. where do I start? What do I do? 
Ah, so watch yeah. the space with that then. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So, um, yeah. But anyway, it is. It's a really good role. It's something a little bit different, and it is nice to dress up, even especially have that I don't have to actually go and choose the dresses myself. I feel very spoiled, to be honest. Oh, and they no do way. my hair yeah, and you. my face. Do they? Oh my god. They, oh my god. They do. They do. I just, I just sit there and they do it, and I'm like, <laughs> don't You're do like it. Living the, the other side the of the equestrian dream. Yeah, you know, it's funny. like <laughs> what, what we, what we all kind of want when we're growing up, like. Uh, even though we're with horses every day and we're usually stinking of horse poo yeah. and we're gruff yeah. and we've got dirt underneath our fingernails, everybody always yeah. thinks, oh, well, there's a glamorous side of it, which actually, if you work right and you're yourself, you're a really good kind of personality, you speak to anyone, you're very passionate about your horses. And so that's just where that's taken you, which is super cool. I saw you did an interview, actually. Was it for Channel oh. 7? Yeah, I yeah. Did this interview, I was like, "Oh my god, you are so good! How do you stand there in front of a camera? Somebody asks you questions, and you just look like you've been doing it your whole life." I mean, when oh, we started well, this podcast, I find it poof, mind blowing because it's something yeah, it we've is. never done. It's something, yeah. And then to watch you go on do that, I'm just like, "Wow, you oh. just you're a natural. You're a natural, my darling." Thank you. It's it's one of those things, isn't it? Like if you have a really good interviewer, so the guy that did that, Jason Richardson, is an absolute legend. He's such a great interviewer and he makes you feel really welcome and he's fun and smiley and you know, he's really and I've met him a few mm. times now, so that really helps. And usually they'll give you, you know, I get a brief for the day wherever I'm going. I have like the VRC girls that work there are wonderful. They give you a whole brief of, of the whole race day and they roughly ask you what questions. But then sometimes like Richard will ask something or the, whoever your interviewer is and you're like, that's not on the list and you just yeah. got to go like that and pull it yeah. out. I tell you, by the time I finish the interview, I'm like, oh, okay, good. All right, I didn't swear. I didn't stumble too yeah. badly. I didn't just make something up and talk complete drivel. Yeah. It's a bit of a relief actually. But like the podcast here, like it's great for us to just like today be able to ramble on about the stuff that we enjoy talking about and, um, mm-hmm. you know, and catch up because we don't often get to do that. No, we don't. No, we don't at all. And when we do, we do. We'll have a quick five minutes at the beginning, and then we're like, oh, "I just want to talk more." Yeah. So it's okay. yeah. so yeah. cool to be able to catch up and see what's going. And tell me about um, because Romeo, I know he he was off the track, wasn't he? He yeah. Romeo, so your thoroughbred that you've got little Rome's. Rome's is yeah. by the famous Frankel. So Rome's, oh. we call him the trust fund baby, and his racing name was Switching to Win because he switched from one trainer to the next when he was very young. So he was imported to Australia in utero in his mum. Right. And he was apparently purchased, I've just found this out, as a potential Melbourne Cup runner. And then oh. he was quite slow to mature. And then when he did mature, he was just quite slow. <laughs> so um, Romeo's Melbourne Cup debut didn't quite come along. However, he is an absolutely beautiful type and, and I think he's one of the nicest ones I've had. He's switching to win at show jumping. Hopefully he's switching to win at show jumping. He's been switching to eat grass in the last five weeks and today is the first day I have ridden him because he had the most enormous overreach on his coronet band on the inside of his near four and it was right on the hoof capsule where it joins the coronet band, and if I didn't look after it and absolutely dot every eye and cross every T, then he could have been in a in a hoof cast with a resected hoof for four weeks in a stable. Oh. And I don't think anyone. That's like double double isolation COVID ISO time. So, yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. haven't been out and about doing much. I've been watching you actually, watching your horses jumping lots of mm. stuff and living vicariously. So <laughs> mm. yeah, anyway, where are you next? No, but that's just horses for you, isn't it? That is just horses. 
Um, where am I next? Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite a funny time of year right now because mm-hmm. we kind of have that switch over. So we've just got the youngsters coming back out and mm-hmm. um, getting them used to the indoor season. Um, yeah. Yeah, just it's a funny time of year. But I do have some exciting news, which I haven't shared with you yet. Yeah. Um, I've got a new horse box. Oh, stop. No. What did you get? So, How did this come about? Uh, oh, my God. Honestly. To any equestrian, I mean, this is better than getting a house. It's better than going out for a sunk. It's better than anything. This is something that I've been trying to manifest, like, since I was 14 years old. Um, I've got a Scania, which is a really, they're just known for being, like, super reliable. Um, It's got three steps to get into Mm -hmm. the cab. It's manual. It's still, Mm -hmm. like, 20 years old, okay? It's not like a 250 grand lorry. I don't have that kind of money. But it is something that Mm -hmm. I have wanted Mm-hmm. Honestly, to, for me, the most important thing was what the yeah. horse area. And so it carries five. It's got oh fans in the back for the horses. It's got, when I put the mm-hmm. side lights on, it's got red lights that come on in the back for the horses. So they know it's nighttime, like nighttime <laughs> view. Um, it's got, it's got an automatic ramp, which to some people, yeah. you know, this is quite normal for them. But for me, who's had my old oh Iveco, my which has just got me around for the last eight years, mm-hmm. um, it's done the job, yeah. don't get me wrong, but it was ready for an upgrade because then next on my vision board is to be able to take it take it abroad. So it's got the H partitions, mm-hmm. which I've always wanted, with the separate headboards. Mm-hmm. It's got air suspension, so my horses get a cruisy ride, especially on these things nice. in England, where you've been to England, mm-hmm. where I live in particularly. Mm. It's got the smallest lanes that you can just about fit, like a Peugeot 205 down them. So I'm kind of limited to how big a truck I can get. Um, and to oh, Okay. The, the living's nice, but it's not flashy. I don't have a big pop out or anything like that. It is leather interior. Yep. It's got a couple of beds, but quite simple. Yep. But another big plus for me, it's got all the understore floorage. Floorage? Understore floorage? Oh. Storage. <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> we've, we've clearly been talking for a little while because I'm like, blah, 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 blah. I, I understand um, that language, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. And it's got a roof rack so that when I go to the shows, I can just put everything on and it's not going to be such a palaver trying to stick everything in the living um so yeah this is for me this is a massive deal and yeah the truck is 20 years old but these scanners go forever so it's just beautifully made and I'm just feeling so blessed oh one last thing so when I saw this truck advertised I nagged my dad and mechanic to go down and have a look at it and um when my dad looked at it he went do you know what the registration plate is? I was like, no. And it's BX51. No. It was meant for me. It basically says my name on it. <laughs> Just completely, the universe has spoken. That is your business. So, yeah, believe in it. Oh, will I love this for you. Oh, no, honestly. So, so, so cool, happy. Bex. I'm so excited. What color is she? Oh, she's like, actually, it's a he, and he's called Trojan. So, um, uh, it is silver and blue with like blue, navy blue swirls on it. It's actually really nice paintwork as well. Um, so it'd be cool oh, to get some branding so cool. and things on it in time. But right now I'm just living nice. in the moment, living my dream. <laughs> and, and, and have you been out in Trojan a bit now? Yep. Yep. Been out a few times now. And it's got one of those, um, shift gear boxes. Exactly. So I've got eight gears that I've got to work with. Um, but I'm getting them down. I'm feeling like a proper trucker. <laughs> it's got three steps rather than two to get out of. So already me and a couple of my owners have like fallen out of it. And now we call it, we, as we get out, we were like, three step. We're not in two step now. We're three step. So we don't all fly over oh, no. the side and fly over backwards. But um, 
No, that's probably the most exciting bit of my news, to be honest. And I thought I'd leave that to the end just to throw in there. <laughs> I think that is the most exciting thing to go out on. And, I mean, God, who does not love to go to the big shows and look through all of the trucks and then go home and design the dream truck? And the fact that you have just got the new truck, it is so. I'm so excited for you. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. Oh, excellent. Oh, it's so nice to speak to you, Bex. I've missed our conversations and can't wait to start up for the rest of this season. So look forward to the rest of our chats and topics that we'll cover. Yes. Boop, boop. No, that'll be awesome. Oh, well, everybody, this has been the Equestrian Experience with myself, Amanda Ross, and co-host Bex Mason. To send in your questions for our upcoming episodes, enter our competitions and access our other episodes, be sure to visit the equestrianexperiencepodcast.com. You can follow us at Amanda Ross Equestrian and at Bex Mason SJ. Until next time, have a great equestrian experience. Bye, Bex. Bye, Amanda. So great chatting.